Hello and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Soberholic Podcast. My name's Roger. I'm back in studio with Jason. How you been today, buddy? Oh, it's good. It's a beautiful fall day outside. It's not. It's supposed to be fall, but it's still so hot, man. Well, nah, it ain't that hot. I mean, it, it is comfortable for Alabama, but it, it is. Um, it's still not too 90. hot. It needs to be like in the 60s, and it's not. So I don't know. Um, I'm not. You can I guess I am complaining, but I'm not complaining. It's better than like them dog days of summer, like we had just a, a few months ago. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't want to drag around too much here. I want us to get to our show, and um, we got a lot to kind of talk about. And I think the best way to kind of get there is for me to frame up what we're going to talk about, because you really aren't prepped for this i have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> so this happens sometimes <laughs> so we're going to to frame this up for you to be able to maybe expand on this as well for our listeners to kind of get what i'm talking about um so um kind of the backstory here and i know this is some of your story but um you know most of our stuff we deal with uh just struggles in general whether it be drugs um sex uh food the list goes on and on those are the big ones that we hit a lot of in here but um most of my time in recovery has been spent in either alcoholics anonymous or the christian alternative to that would which would be celebrate recovery or that's the big two um the more you look around you'll see there's many different secular uh 12-step programs and those even go out to na i've had a little bit of dealings with that um nothing bad to say it's just i i i'm not as well versed in some of their stuff Mm -hmm. um where you know here was anonymous and then as i noticed in the christian realm i thought like celebrate recovery was the only christian 12-step program and i was way off with that there's tons of those um but anyways uh, those are the two that i've been aa and cr are the two that i know the most of and uh, you know i i definitely consider myself to be a christian today and talk about those beliefs often here on the show as do you Mm -hmm. um but uh, i've said this i know to you i believe i've probably said this on the show because i'm very open about this had I came to celebrate recovery or just any 12-step Christian program first, I probably would not have got sober because I was so anti-Jesus. This whole mm-hmm. religious ideal of God taking care of me, I was just done with that, mainly because of resentments. And I had done no step work to kind of figure out why that was. I was just I was very close-minded with everything. And so I say that to say, if you didn't understand that, you wouldn't understand some of what I'm going to talk about, because there's really just a guiding principle I want to talk about today. Um, and it works. It, it really works in life, not just recovery. It works with almost anything. I've seen this even happen a lot here lately with it being election season, mm-hmm. um, even in churches now. I've seen a lot of pastors promoting stuff 
you know, certain candidates. Uh, and I have mm. my own beliefs about it. <laughs> you know, I do. I have my own beliefs. Um, but I don't believe personally that it's a pastor's position or should be a pastor's position to tell me who to vote for. No. You know, I, I just I don't believe no. that it is. Um, I, I believe that if, if a pastor has discipled you well, then you can look through the scriptures and see what you believe, best, which candidate best lines up with scripture mm-hmm. and then make that decision for yourself oh yeah you know i agree you know god's given us the intellect to be able to do that so here's here's the reason i say both of those things whether it recovery or even a church or maybe it's in your job is that there's this principle that you know um it's kind of like this take what you need and leave the rest yeah you know I don't care where you go, there there's some little nuggets you need to pull out of what you're being told, and some of it's just garbage you just don't need. Yeah. And so you've got to determine what's good for you and what's not. And when I first got started in recovery, if I would have walked in and you started hit me with that Jesus bomb, I would have walked out because I would have been too close-minded to hear anything else you had to say. Um, and I've ran into a lot of other people in this same situation, and it's it's not necessarily that Jesus is the hang-up. It's just there are things that were being said that they couldn't get past. Right. So um, today, I guess, that's what I want to talk about is this idea of how it's looked like in your recovery, maybe how it's worked out in some people that you've sponsored or been friends with of, of stories that's worked for, for them and maybe that has not worked for them. Um, but there's some, there's some reasons I believe that it, it works the way that it works. Um, one reason I believe you should take what you need and leave the rest is because, uh, for instance, in a recovery setting, not everybody's an expert, you know, not everybody there knows <laughs> everything about it there most people are not even trained counselors or anything they're just winging it you know and just telling you what sounds good in theory and hopefully they've applied this in their own life and it worked for them and that's the reason they're sharing it but oftentimes it's not yeah you you said so much there um where to begin um <laughs> I, I think i think you know the whole whenever i hear the whole um, take what you can use and leave the rest. Whenever I've heard that before, I always just think about willingness and openness. And, you know, for somebody who's a profession professing Christian, those kind of can sound like dirty words if you're not, you know, if you're thinking about it in the wrong way. Not openness like I'm open to just believing all kind of crazy things or, you know, denying the fundamental principles of my Christian faith or anything like that. Um, And I don't think this just applies to recovery. I think you could apply this principle of taking what you can use and leave the rest to like every area of life. I mean, just for instance, imagine if there was that principle happening in this election, you know, cycle that we're in the midst of right now. I mean, where people didn't want to, they didn't have to make, other people believe their, their the way they believed, you know, and we could just actually have a dialogue about the issues. Um, you know, that would revolutionize the way everything's right. been happening. But anyway, back to the, the willingness and openness. When I first came into recovery, you know, um, just me showing up in, at the door and, and walking through the doors, I mean, whether I would have actually admitted it at the time or not 
was a sign of willingness and openness. Like I, I'm whatever I've been doing out here before I came into these meetings, it was definitely not working. You know, the whole, you didn't slide off a rainbow. Mm -hmm. And so when I came in, I, I was somewhat willing, but it, it took like 50%, 50% willing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was, it was through working with the sponsor who pointed out to me how I needed to be more willing and more open. And, you know, I started actually hearing this principle in the room, like, hey, you don't have to take everything that you hear in here as gospel truth. And just because somebody says something in here doesn't make it right either, you know. So, you know, somebody's giving you, somebody, you know, who gives you advice, financial advice or whatever, they might be wrong. They might be broke and $50,000 in debt. So, Or they may even be right. They may be they broke in be debt, right. but they may be right. They just can't practice what they're talking about. Yeah. And so, I mean, and when you're, when you, when you're in the rooms and you're going to the meetings, you know, over time you can discern pretty, pretty quickly, you know, who you should probably listen to and who you shouldn't. But, uh, you know, all that to say, it's, it's, it's okay to actually, to just listen to somebody, um, whether it's in your church or whatever. I mean, even if they're wrong, that doesn't mean that you have to do it. You know, you can just listen to it. And if there's a little nugget that you can, you can pull out of it, well, that's great. Do it. Even if you don't like the person, <laughs> you, you, you know, I learn stuff from people I don't like all the time. Sometimes it's it's a hard lesson, you know, that I'm taught through, you know, my anger or my dislike of, of a certain person or whatever. But, I mean, you can learn something from anybody. Well, we're conditioned as, as people, I believe, um, to, for instance, if you're in school, you're taught to obey your teacher, to listen to your teacher, that they have the, the greatest source of wisdom in the classroom. That's not necessarily true a lot of times, especially when you get to college level. You know, in elementary school, that may be the truth. But um, when you get to college, I, I've seen students as wise, if not more uh, smart. Uh, that's not, that doesn't show my, my intelligence. Most smart. More smart <laughs> uh, than the teacher. Um, but my point is this, is that even inside a recovery room, um, I kind of in the beginning thought the only thing I should be listening to is the old timers in there. There's people who had been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Then I began to catch on because old timers pointed this out that I could learn even from, from someone who walked in one day and I could take out some, some truths from them. And oftentimes what it was was I could see people who just went back out and relapsed or just coming back in off a relapse. Mm. I see that pain and hurt in their eyes. And so I'm learning from even their bad stuff that I don't want to go do that again. So I take that, and then I may have found out what didn't work for them. You know, um, For instance, you mentioned when you first walked in, you were willing. I was you know, I'm kind of like you. I say I was willing. Was I like on fire? Let's get recovery. No, no. no. I mean, um, I Who was does come in you know, there like I, that. <laughs> I had a little uh, incentive. You know, the courts were still kind of yeah. pushing me a little bit sure. to get some signatures, and um, I was, you know, I had, you know, um, some money I had to pay for a lot of things I had done wrong, and there was some some push there. But ultimately, I wanted something different in my life, so there was some willingness there. Um, I could have still um, jumped ship and ran. I'd done it many times before. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went in, and then these people started telling me that I needed to change everything I knew, change where I go, the people I hang around with. And that's just hard to turn off a switch and say, I'm not going to hang out with these people 
because that's all I know. And then they said, no, look, just you just start hanging out with us more than you hang out with them. And I was like, I can buy into that, you know. And so that was the willingness part of it that I, that I bought into, that I was willing to believe that they knew more about recovery than me. They may not have been a full-fledged full full fledged, um, expert. You know, they may not have had the degrees, the diplomas, but they they were doing what I was trying to do. So I had to believe it was working for them. And for that reason, I took a little bit of what they had. Now, for instance, I've said it a hundred times on here that, you know, you probably don't want to get in a relationship right off the get-go. Well, I was a couple of months sober. I took what I uh, I took some advice from my sponsor, then I left the rest about I shouldn't date for the first year. And right. I started dating. You know, me and my <laughs> wife are still married today. And it's been 14 years, I think. Yeah, 14. be 15 next year. Yeah. So, you know, did – do you do you get high just because you don't follow everything? No. no. I mean, is it good advice? I still hold to the fact that he gave me good advice. I just didn't take it. And you tell other people that's same Yeah, advice. I tell exactly <laughs> the opposite of what, you know, what I did. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but I do usually tell them, you know, I, I didn't do it, but that's what it was told to me. Well, yeah, I mean, you're just trying to keep them from any kind of, you know, pitfalls, and that's what it's about. Um, yeah, I think for me, like one of the, one of the neatest or one of my favorite aspects of any kind of recovery community is the diversity that's there. Um, I had a sponsor when I was early on in the rooms, we had like a gravel parking lot, you know, with, um, you know, you've been there. Some of it was gravel. And he, it, it, it was just poorly concreted yeah. or asphalt. Well, one time we, one time we actually re-asphalted the thing, like us. Mm-hmm. I was out there in ninety degree heat, like raking asphalt everywhere. Yeah. And anyway, that's what I thought you did to get sober. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, and you do kind of. Yeah, I did. I was sober. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, he he said I was suffering from terminal uniqueness. Um, you know, as in I thought I was special and different than everybody. As do most. Right. Yeah. And so he, he said, he's like, hold this rock. And I was like, okay. He said, that's you. And he said, now throw it over there and with all them other rocks. I threw it over there. And he was like, now go find yourself. And I was like, what is he talking about? That was deep, yeah. man. <laughs> I was like, uh, what? And he was like, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> and um, so he was basically trying to say, like, you're not different than everybody. But but the way there's diversity is you're not different in, 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 with, with these other people in here in your addiction. We all are suffering from the same sort of addition, addiction. But you're, you know, but like we're all different as far as, you know, race, socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. Religions, there's all kind, you know, if you're going to a secular 12-step meeting, I mean, I've heard everything. um, And I've heard my higher power is a rainbow. I've heard my higher power is a unicorn. I mean, and Christian beliefs and Buddhist and, you know, the whole spectrum. But I actually don't see that. that. That doesn't bother me. I actually see that as somewhat of a strength because you, you get to learn. Because whenever there's diversity, there's diversity of ideas too. And so 
say you were just gonna you you just go to church and you're and that's the only recovery you get you're gonna get a a more narrow view of recovery itself of addiction recovery right right because you're probably going to church with people who are more in line with your specific socioeconomic background more than likely which this is un- unfortunate they're probably all the same race as you um and then you know also they probably live in the same as that community as you do and so you're you're very similar but when you go to a 12-step meeting of some kind it's way more diverse and you know of course there's there are meetings that are more diverse than others like my home group in new orleans was really diverse i mean we would have somebody from germany come and visit the meeting that night uh-huh. uh, you know or somebody from ireland probably because it's more tourist right well there. yeah the yeah. tourists yeah. from new orleans they'd come to the meeting and it was so cool getting to hear how similar we are really but also this diversity that would you know pervade through their conversation and you would hear things that you've just never heard before and and being open to that um you know in no way infringed upon my christian values or beliefs or anything because some of it i would just hear and go that's crazy i'm gonna just not worry about that but then some things I would hear, I would be like, you know what? That's a really good idea I've never heard before. Well, I know from talking to you, one of your sponsors was Buddhist. Yeah. And so that was kind of weird. You you look, you claim and are Christian, mm-hmm. a Christian follower uh, or a cross follower, and then you have someone that you're taking advice from, gleaning wisdom from, who is Buddhist. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a good example of the diversity that you may have and just because y'all have different spiritual beliefs doesn't make him wrong in in helping you find recovery right now there is a dilemma when we start talking about salvation but we're talking about recovery and so that's the reason you can take what you want out of that relationship and leave the rest of it so you can you can take um, all the 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 nuggets about recovery but when you know if he was to try to talk to you about eternal beliefs then y'all may but differ on that so you could sure. leave that yeah you just leave that on the table yeah and like I, I had a i had a buddy in new orleans that his sponsor was kind of um he he uh he liked the ladies a lot and always had a different one right and he was like i don't like that about my sponsor like i don't like that you know he acts this way mm-hmm. and i'm like well that's not what he's for he's not He's not there to give you relationship advice, you know. Just get what you need out of him and leave the rest of it. You and know? that sounds so selfish. It does. You know, it, it does. It sounds so selfish, but it's really not. In, in fact, I, I I really do everything in life this way now. I mean, even um, if you was to take that back into the Christian perspective from a church sitting on Sunday morning, just because you're your pastor, your preacher, your church says it from a pulpit doesn't necessarily make it right. Yeah. You know, so it you take what you need and leave the rest. Maybe you need to go see if it's even true what he just right. said. Now, hopefully you're, you're in a good um, Bible teaching church that it is correct, right. but just because it comes out of his mouth doesn't make it correct. And that's, that goes the same with the sponsor or anyone else with your job, your boss, anything. Um, you've got to, you get to learn how to take what's good and leave what, maybe isn't good for you right and and as far as taking advice i mean there's there's some people that you know if i want 
you know, help in this particular area or advice in this particular area of my my life, well, hey, I'm going to ask this person. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask this person over here, you know, and vice versa. I mean, there's, there's people, you know, um, you know, that I'm not going to ask about certain stuff. I mean, I'm not going to ask marriage advice from somebody who's, you know, on their fourth marriage, you know, that kind of thing, just common sense stuff. I completely agree with you, and I do the exact same thing you're talking about, but to kind of give a disclaimer for our listeners is that's different than just going around looking for the answer you want. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely different (laughs) than what we're talking about here. You know, we go to the people who maybe are more um, versed in the area that we're looking for. If I had a financial question, I would talk to my accountant. I wouldn't go talk to my pastor. You wouldn't talk to me. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that the people who are listening, maybe new to the show or in recovery, know that you, know, you can get any answer you want if you look at enough people, but you're looking for some, some wise advice. And in mm-hmm. order to do that, you go to the, the people who have the most experience with yeah. that. And I think the, I think the biggest negative, um, like the, the way that like when you don't use this kind of principle of open openness and willingness um, to take what you can use and leave the rest when you're not doing that. I think one of the biggest traps you kind of fall into is you just, you want, you, you want everything to line up with your exact worldview, right? You want everything to, and that's never going to happen. You know, you're every, everything is not going to check all the, all the check boxes on what you think recovery should be like. And it really shouldn't when you come into recovery, uh, you know, new and you're new in recovery because you don't know, you know, as you know, it's like when I first got in recovery, I didn't know what I didn't know. So, but I, I think, I think the danger is like, and I did this whenever I first came, came into recovery is I was looking for the differences. I was mm. seeing how I was trying to figure out, all right, what's, what's wrong here. You know, what are they doing that's wrong? You know, I'm a Enneagram, uh, my Enneagram number is one. And that's like one of our big, you know, kind of def- character defects is everything is like wrong or right. right. And, you know, if you're not doing it right, according to me and what I think, well, then it's just wrong. Right. And so, I mean, I still have to fight that. That's still something that, you know. Which is absolute insanity because I do the same thing. And. I mean, we're walking into a room where we absolutely know nothing, but we're trying to determine what's wrong about it. Um, and yeah. if had we had the right answers, we wouldn't be there in the first you place. Be- <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. So, um, uh, I don't know. I, I know another thing that I, I see that's different um, is our stories. Um, no matter where you go, stories are different. Even inside of an AA meeting, for instance, where supposedly all you hear is alcoholics talking what I found out is most are not traditional purist alcoholics. Mm. They are drug addicts mixed with alcoholism or maybe just a true drug addict and not even ever drank, but are going to an alcoholic meeting, but they will identify themselves um, as an alcoholic to keep to, what is it? The, it's not the single purpose. It's um, Yeah, no, I think it is. It's okay. one of the traditions. Well, you know, Dr. Bob said that gin and heavy sedatives landed me on the yes, rocks. Yeah. So, but, I you mean, know, some of them old-timers are rough. If you start talking about you've done drugs, it, it gets kind of weird around it does, there. Yeah. So I, I say that, that our stories may not be the same. 
so you may i remember to get past that part because it, it took me a while to figure out i was an alcoholic right, right yeah. even the four duis <laughs> i knew I had a drug problem there was no doubt about it because that was my doc i always went to drugs because i always drank till i blacked out or passed out and it left me with a hangover so i didn't ever want to go that direction right but even that behavior should have showed me I was alcoholic, but it never did. And so my sponsor would say, look, Roger, if you know you're a drug addict, well, then just 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 say that you're an, you're an alcoholic in here. Yeah. And you just go with the flow. Yeah. And your story may be that, you know, but we're, for here, we're just going to say you're an alcoholic. And so I would say, I'm Roger, I'm alcoholic. And and I went and, through that. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do we do that uh, I, it, it took me a while to like accept i was an alcoholic too well you know to me as i look back it was this i'm not going to term it right but it was this crazy pride thing like i'm a drug addict i'm worse off than alcoholic you don't know how bad i really am it's like this junky pride i had this junky pride uh, i don't know how crazy. many times in i've gone to an aa meeting where they say they and knowingly say i'm an addict mm -hmm. and they know that they're supposed to say i'm an alcoholic but they say i'm an addict because they want to be different i mean and i was like this too i did the hard stuff the illegal stuff right yeah. like being an addict is somehow better yeah you know? it's not but yeah anyway. for me i think as i've looked back on some of that because i know exactly what you're saying um, it, it was more for me to say, oh, I'm worse off than y'all. Y'all don't really know how right. bad it is to be like me. And I was looking for the differences rather than the similarities because addiction is addiction. And even now, as the stories look different, whether it be sexual addiction or food addiction, it still looks the same. Um, the coping mechanisms, all of those, the triggers – all of that's the same as when I was doing dope. In fact, quitting cigarettes was just as hard for me as it was to quit a needle. Mm -hmm. and, and I know for some people, they're going, no, I'm, it really was. It's just in a, it's in a different way. Mm -hmm. It's just a different way. The, the withdrawals were different, yeah. but there was still some. But it, those were different. But the, the, the desire to go back and just one more, that one more yeah. thing, oh, it, it's always been there. Yeah. So I guess as, as we're looking for things that are, you know, if you want to take um, what you need and leave the rest, then you, you've got to look at the story. You know, is their story the same as yours? If it's not, then, you know, maybe you just need to take just portions of that. You know, back to like you were talking about with divorce. If you're looking at someone who's multiple time divorced over and over, you probably don't want to get your marriage counseling through then. Right. You know. <laughs> so what else? You got anything else about this before we kind of begin to wrap this up? Nah, nah I think that I think we kind of said everything on that one. I mean, just if if you if you're going to meetings and you're sitting in there and you're just like, how in the world is this going to help me? This isn't going to help me. Well, then that's probably a sign that you're not being open or willing for it to help you and you know you don't have to take everything there as gospel truth you can just take whatever you need and leave the rest well i want to wrap it up with this one little quick thing and this is something i i hold on from my nugget that i get from my wife a lot and she, i hear her say this a lot so i'm gonna steal it from her and whenever i get her on the show one day i'm sure she's gonna say it because this is where i got it it's long overdue and, and it wasn't new to her she got it from somebody else sure. but when she first started going to meetings um 
you probably remember the pressure of what am I going to share? You know, it's going around the room. It's oh, yeah, getting me. Yeah. I got to share. I got to share. I got to share. So I've heard she, she always talks about, you know, it would go around the room. Everybody would share one after another in this big circle. And the whole time it's going around, she's thinking in her head, what am I going to share? What am I going to share? What am I going to share? And then it gets to her and she's, she shares. And then, it goes past her, and she goes, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? <laughs> you know? And so the whole time, she heard nothing in the right. whole meeting. And so my suggestion to anyone, anywhere, is that when you're at a meeting, try to just focus on one thing to take home with you. You know, listen to that. Just listen to everybody. If you have nothing to say, then don't say it. But what is that one thing you can take away from that meeting? Mm-hmm. And then just focus on that. Because there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of bad stuff. But if you can just focus on one and put your thoughts to that and try to how to apply that to your life, I think you'll go a long ways with it. It's really good advice. Well, all right, man. Um, that kind of brings us to the end of it. I uh, appreciate all you guys listening to us, tuning in every week uh, to hear what we try to say. We try to bring you um, high-quality content um, in the quickest amount we can. We try to keep that under 30 minutes. Sometimes we hit that mark. Sometimes we don't. Um, but we want to say that we'll see you again next Monday. My name is Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.